Hey everybody, this is Jaron. Welcome to the Family Ties Podcast. And this is session three of our Connected Parenting Seminar that we held uh, several months back. Uh, so far, we've dealt with, you know, session one being all of the dangers, all of the stuff that can go wrong when it comes to technology and our kids, all of the stuff that they can get into, whether it's, you know, pornography or uh, screen addiction or, um, you know, online bullying. There's so many different things that, that we need to be aware of of that, things that can happen, things that can go wrong when it, when it comes to technology of all kinds uh, and our kids. And so that was session one. Session two is where we kind of reacted from that and went, okay, fear is what we're feeling, but fear is not the right way to parent, especially in, in relation to technology. And so what is, how do we, how do we approach technology with our kids? Is it, is it the free range method, method? Is it just letting them kind of be out there and just, hey, we'll talk along the way of all the stuff you want to cross. That's probably not a good idea because they will run across uh, a whole lot of things that they are not prepared or equipped to deal with. Um, and so it's not it's not that free-range method, but it's not what we call the bubble wrap method either, where I just want to protect my kid. I want to keep my kids safe, and so I'm going to wrap, wrap them in this cocoon and let no bad stuff come in. We talked about how that's maybe the natural response uh, to facing some of these fears, but that's not actually a good place to come from. And, and in some respects, it can it can set ourselves, our kids up for even more failure when it comes to this stuff because, one, it's not going to work. There, there's things that are going to get in despite our best efforts. And two, even if it did, um, what would that do to them? They would not be prepared for becoming an adult and, and having to make these decisions for themselves. And so uh, what we decided is that it's, it's, it's kind of a mix. And so we, we need to protect our kids. We need to take care of our kids. We need to shelter them away from, from certain things, um, sometimes forever, sometimes just until a certain age. But through it all, we need to educate our kids. We need to inform them. We need to talk them through some things that they're going to experience in life, things that they're going to see or things that they're going to hear about or things that other kids are going to be involved in. We need to educate them not only in what they are, but why they could be potentially dangerous, why they should feel the desire to steer clear um, so that as they mature, as they become adults, they make the decisions for themselves. They are able to not only put those things in place, but they have the motivation to do that, to put those apps on their phone, to, to do whatever it is they need to do, to not watch that show, all, you know, all of those kind of things. Um, because at a certain point in time, we're not going to be there to make those decisions for them. They, they need to be prepared for, for dealing with some of that stuff on their own as they, as they mature. And so that's what we talked through in our, in our last episode. Now today, this is going to be session three, and so this is going to be much more practical. Everything we've talked about so far has been very, very high level, kind of that 30,000 foot view, a lot of the philosophy behind all of these kind of things. And so beginning with this session and then in session four, we get much more practical. And so our episode today, we deal a lot with um, what are some things we put in place in our households, you know, not necessarily apps that we put on our phone. We get, we're going to get to that more in session four, but session three is really about what what's our um, what are our ground rules for our household? What what do we have in place that we as as families as parents we have to level set that we have to say here's the ground rules here's some things here's how this is going to work here are the expectations and, um, and and we have to communicate those clearly with our kids so that they know what to expect and they know um, what's okay and what's not okay and 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 also why those those ground rules are in place and so we're going to talk through. Um, 
just some areas that 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 uh, you as as a family need to discuss. Um, we didn't necessarily give an answer for everything, saying, "Hey, here's here's what you should do for this, this, this." We, we're not going to list out the, the rules that you should just implement as a family. We're, we we gave some guidance, but more so, it's a, "Hey, here's some areas that you need to talk through and discuss and decide what is correct for your family and implement those for yourself." So um, we hope you enjoy. This is session three of our Connected Parent Seminar. So yesterday we, we did a deep dive into a lot of information and a lot of like high level, uh, we talked about pornography usage, we talked about the dangers of technology in general, right? The, um, we're talking about screen addiction, we we're talking about anxiety issues and mental health and depression and loneliness. We talked about like, you know, sexual predators as a reality. So we, we had some fun times together talking about all that really messed up, dangerous stuff, right? Um, but then we talked about how fear is not how to approach this, that we need to educate our kids. We need to protect them. We need to block some stuff. We need to filter some stuff. But we absolutely have to educate, educate, educate all along the way because the end goal is that they have a healthy perspective and boundaries when it comes to technology because one day they're not going to have us there to make those decisions for them. And the, 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 the training wheels are off, and now they have to make those, those judgment calls, and they have to know why it's important to make the right calls and what's at stake, okay? So high level yesterday. Today we're going to get way more practical, like I said. Um, so we're going to talk about the plan. What's the plan? How do we approach this? What do we do? What do we implement? How do we, how do we set things up and get things going um, in our households. And so before I jump to um, kind of all of, all of that, kind of the steps to take and the steps to, or at least the things to think through and talk about and discuss um, as spouses, there, there's some things that I, I want us to keep in mind um, as, we, as, we, as we dive into this. And one, don't assume your child is struggling. Right? We talked about all the things to be afraid of last night. And so our minds can go like, well, I'm sure they're being affected by all of this. I'm sure, like, oh, oh my goodness, I'm pretty sure they're addicted to porn now because oh, how could they not be because of all of those stats, right? Um, I, I'm sure they're, they're dealing with anxiety and that has to be connected with their screen time. Like, we can jump to the worst case scenario a lot. And so it's easy to assume that they have a problem, but they may not. They may be okay and praise Jesus if that's true. We still need to implement stuff so they don't, you know, end up having a problem. Um, but we cannot go in assuming that our child is struggling, <clears throat> especially with our teens. If we go in and like, okay, I'm going to put an app on your phone now, that's going to be a thing um, if they're not, if they're like, wait, uh, wh why? I'm, I'm fine, right? So that's, that's something we'll talk about. But don't assume your child is struggling. But at the same time, don't assume they're not. And man, is this very prevalent, especially in churches. There's so, the mindset is so prevalent, this idea of like, oh, but my kid wouldn't. They don't show any signs. They go to church, they're really engaged. So I just can't, I can't imagine that, that on the side they'd be looking at pornography or like they'd be affected by this stuff. It's, it's hard to wrap our minds around and it's very easy for Christian parents to go, my kid wouldn't. 
right? And, and I have seen it in my life over and over. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I work here as a children's pastor. I, over, I work with, you know, a bit with the youth. I see it. And I know that there are, I, I know the kids that no one would suspect but have a problem. And that, that is a very much a reality. And sometimes it's not the ones you would, you, you would pick out of a lineup, right? And so I don't want us to assume that, we, that our kids don't have an issue. Like we have to go in going, it's very possible. I don't, I don't assume that, that anybody doesn't have an issue. Like I don't think anybody's exempt from this stuff. We just don't know. We just don't know. And so we cannot assume. <clears throat> now, if they are struggling, if they are dealing with too much screen time or they have gotten into pornography and you discover that, um, don't blame yourself. That doesn't help anything. It's easy to go, I should have done more. I could have done more. Had I known, had I done something earlier, maybe like it's really easy to play the blame game and, and, and blame ourselves. And that's not constructive. That that's not like, that's putting shame on ourselves. And that doesn't help anyone doesn't help you. And it doesn't help your kids. So be careful not to point fingers, especially at yourself, but don't blame them either. Um, I, I know for a fact that, that especially with pornography, um, it is isolating, right? It is, it is shame-based. And so by nature, it's, it's something that, that they will want to hide. And so if, as parents, we find out, it's very easy to go to, how could you not tell me? How could you keep this from me? Of course they're going to, because by nature, it is, they're, they're ashamed. They feel terrible. And so when we do that, we are heaping on and we're just piling on more guilt that they are already probably <laughs> dealing with a lot. And so that doesn't help either, blaming them. I mean, it's an epidemic. They caught it. That's, that's a realistic possibility. And so, like, to, to say, how, oh, how could you? Like, well, the deck is stacked against them. So, so, so be careful not pointing fingers at yourself or them. Like, blame doesn't help. Shame doesn't help. That is not from God. That's not how he works. Um, so just, just keep that in mind. So a couple other things to consider. Um, and I mentioned this a minute ago. So when we, if we go, if you go and like implement restrictions of some kind, you put apps on the phone, you, you, you know, you pair, you pair down screen time. Okay, now you only get a couple, you know, an hour a day or two hours a day or whatever. And they haven't had that. Do not expect that to go well. Even if you explain it and, and educate them and talk about the dangers and talk about why, it's still probably not going to go well. Like that is not, it's not going to be a smooth transition. Um, that's okay. So let's say you have a teenager and you go home and you put this app on their phone and that app on their phone because you want to protect them and they don't have a problem. That they haven't dabbled in it. They haven't really been exposed to it because that's possible they're going to look at you and go, why don't you trust me? I, I, thought, I thought I had your trust, and then why are you doing this? And that, for them, will be a betrayal. Um, right or wrong, fair or unfair, it just is how so many of them will respond. And so you have to communicate this very delicately as to why you're doing this. You're, you're saying, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not assuming you're into this. This is, this is not an accusation. This is a, we probably should have done this a long time ago. There's junk out there that I don't want you to ever come across. And so I love you too much not to protect you from that. Um, and, and so you're going to have to have a really frank conversation with them, but be very careful in how you set this up because 
um, to them, it's going to feel like a, a, you're accusing them of, of not being trustworthy. And that's, that's, that can be damaging to your ongoing conversation about this stuff, which is really what you need to have going well. Um, so, so be careful about that. Um, and then be prepared for some detox behavior. Um, if your kid's used to hours of screen time a day and then you pair that back, well, they're gonna, there's, some, there's some physiological effects that that's going to happen. There's th those, that dopamine hit that they've been getting a lot that they're not going to get anymore. Like their body's going to need to adjust. Have you ever like cut out sugar completely from your diet for a week? Is that smooth right away? No, you have headaches and you're tired and I, I just don't have the energy because my body needs to relearn how to like make the good energy, right? Used to getting this like, you know, mainline hit of it and it's not anymore. And this is the same thing. Um, so don't expect it to go well. There is a transition process. It will smooth out um, if you remain diligent with it. Um, but, but just because it's not going well doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. Um, you've got to do it well and you just have to be consistent with it. Um, and be prepared for a bumpy road. So I'm seeing families do this well when they do it all together. Yes. And they put, like the adults put limits on the parents at the same time. Uh huh. And then it's hard for everybody. <laughs> that, and then you're detoxing. Um, but that brings up a really good point is. And we're going to talk about this. If, if, if you're putting restrictions on, the, on their phone, be very prepared for them to go, okay, but he, here you are on your phone. And that, we're going to talk about that. Um, but, but yeah, so just some things to consider as, as we kind of dive into this. So where do we start? So there's, kind of, there's three things I want to talk about uh, of where do we start, what do we have to think through. A lot of these are, are, I'm not telling you like do this, do this. I'm saying here's some things that you've got to examine and talk about and figure out a way to do it as a family. There are some things that I'm going to say like this should probably be a rule for you guys, but for the most part I'm telling you things that you've got to, you've got to think through something there and come to a conclusion as, as, as a family, um, specifically as, as adults, as couples, um, talking about how we do this. So the first thing is you got to have some house rules. You have to set up some rules. So here's, this is what we do in our household. Here's how we treat, treat technology and screens and all that kind of stuff. We have to establish some rules. So I'm not going to tell you all the rules you should have, um, but I'm going to give you some kind of guidelines, to, to, some things to think through. And one is you have to have some like no tech times and locations. There have to be times that are out of bounds. Like, nope, we're not on screens at all during these times. Dinner time would be a great example. If we're eating dinner at the table, no, no cell phones, no, 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 no tablets, no streaming something, no, you know, listening to stuff, whatever. Um, like, the, this is a this is a, a screen-free time, right? Bedtime would be another one. There should probably be a point in the day where they can no longer be on their screen, and it should if you're up. You know, if you're asleep in your room, that's a great time for them to not be on their screens. And so you should probably think through what that looks like. I'm not going to say should it be 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever. you got to figure that out. Um, but definitely bedtime and however you want to define that, it needs to be a tech-free zone or at least, like, you know, all you can do is stream music to fall asleep to or something like that. But, like, we're going to wipe out everything else. You can't text. You can't watch stuff. You can't access internet, like any of that kind of thing. Um, 
Another is locations. Um, so there needs to be places in the house where, nope, no screens. Um, I would urge you to very strongly consider their bedrooms being one of those locations. Um, at the very least, it's no internet devices in your room with the door closed, at the very least. And think about it like this. If you have a 16-year-old boy and he wants to have his girlfriend over, are you going to let them be in their room, his room with the door closed? Please say no. Um, <laughs> that was not rhetorical. I'm just, that's a bad idea, okay? But screens are no different. I mean, the same dangers are there. And so to, to let your kid have technology, have the internet in their room unrestricted with the door closed, it's going to be a problem. It's absolutely going to be a problem. And so you got to figure that out. Maybe it's, yeah, you can have it, um, but the door has to be open or, or whatever, um, or only certain times of the day or whatever and not at night. You, you got to figure all that out. But those are definitely things you want to think through. Um, there has to be some tech-free locations and times um, you know, in your household of here's what we do. Um, the bathroom, maybe that's one of them. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to make bathroom rules for you guys. Um, but, but hey, talk about it. And maybe, that's, maybe that needs to be a thing because um, there are some obvious implications that come with that. Uh, so... Another thing to think through is how much screen time per day? This is a huge question. How much is enough? How much is too much? Um, this is a very difficult thing to answer. Um, you could Google this and find whatever answer you want. Um, that's the reality. The CDC, I'll, I'll tell you what the CDC says and you can use that or not. Um, I'll leave that to you. The CDC says for kids age zero to two, none. Only if the mask is over their eyes. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they say none. Like there's no, the, 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 the downside outweighs any positive because I know there's learning apps and stuff like that and those can be good, but there's also a, a detrimental effect, especially for little, little kids. And so they're saying like none. Um, zero to two. Um, I'm not going to tell you that that's what you should do because there's, I mean, we've done it with our little kids, but it needs to be very, very limited. Um, I think we overestimate the, the benefits of learning apps ages zero to two. I'll put it that way. Um, for two to basically early elementary, it's an hour a day is what they say. This is outside of if they're researching stuff for school or if they do Zoom because, you know, they're schooling at home or whatever. That's different. Um, but overall, they recommend an hour per day of screen time. <clears throat> and then after that, so late elementary all the way through high school, two hours a day is what the CDC recommends. Now, again, take that for what you will. There are, I mean, there are studies. They're all over the place. The science is not in on this for sure. Um, but what I will tell you is they, they've been able to measure after an hour or two per day that you can start to measure the effects, the mental health effects, and all of the stuff we talked about last night is where you start seeing that come into play. Um, so that's, that's kind of a, that's the range that we're probably talking about. It's really hard to pin down, pin this to a number because there are so many gray areas and every kid's kind of different, even though kids are kind of the same when it comes to you know, a lot of this stuff. So it's difficult. I'm not going to tell you an hour per day or two hours per day. If you're doing six hours per day, I'm going to warn you and say that's probably too much. It's probably closer to the range of an hour or two per day. Um, 
And a couple things to go with this is, is there are going to be exceptions, right? Like there's going to be a day when, okay, yeah, you can have an extra hour. Um, or you're having a sleepover, so like, yeah, go nuts, right? There's going to be those times. That's okay, obviously. Like this is not, we're not supposed to be legalistic about this, but we want to keep those ex- exceptions to a minimum because you know your kids. If you give them exceptions, what are they going to ask for t- tomorrow? Exceptions, right? They need to know that this is a hard, this is a rule. This is, I probably are not... It's not worth asking because it's going to be a no, right? And so more often than not, we've got, we've got to stick to that, um, which is really difficult because let's be honest, screens are really, really good babysitters. Um, I, like that's just the reality. Like I, I, I fall into that all the time. So um, to keep that to a minimum, it's the idea that um, I, I look at it this way or I'm trying to look at it this way. I'm trying to get my kids to look at it this way that screen time, this discretionary screen time is like dessert, it's okay to have dessert. We had it last night, right? We had a piece of cheesecake last night. It was really good. I ate it when I got home because I didn't get any. So I was eating it at 10 o'clock at night in my bed. Um, don't judge me. So it's fine. But if you do that every night, if you do that all the time, if you have a piece of cheesecake every day, it's going to turn into two pieces of cheesecake every day. Like, it's going to snowball, and, and that's going to have some health effects. So that discretionary screen time needs to be like dessert. It's okay in moderation and not all the time, not every day. And so if you put a limit of two hours per day, that doesn't mean that it has to be two hours every single day. And I know I'm not trying to convince you, it's you trying to convince your kids of that. There are days when zero screen time is okay. Right, just like it's okay to have an exception. We can do three hours today because you have a friend over, whatever. But there, just because you get, I'll have my kids go. I, I don't. I, I still have 15 minutes left that I didn't use from earlier. Can I go use it now? I'm like, no. Like it's okay not to max it out every day. That and so we that we need to help them kind of try to reorient how they think about screens. That it's a privilege and not a right. It's not. It's not the table stakes that I get it every day, regardless. It's you can absolutely lose it and you. You know, or maybe start from zero and you can earn it um, based on behavior. But, but we need to help them kind of think about that differently. And part of that is, is we need to think about it differently and go, just, just because I've given you two hours every day does not mean you actually get two hours every single day. It doesn't have to be that way. So just some things to consider there. Um, another question, what age do they get a phone? This is a very difficult question as well because, again, there is no hard and fast rule. Um, there is no, like, wait till this age and then it's okay. But I want to read you something. Um, so there's a, a website called Protect Young Eyes, and I'm going to tell you more about this later. Um, so don't, don't worry about writing this down. So I'm, we're going to get to this. Um, but one of, the, one of the guys that works there, he, he wrote this post. Um, and I'm going to just read you this post because I think it, it I, even though there's not a specific age that I think it's okay to have a cell phone and before it's not okay, um, there's, there's some, some real good wisdom in here that I want us to consider. So he says this, recently I was asked to speak at a K through 12 school. While coordinating with the principal, he only wanted me to speak to grades four through eight, leaving off nine through 12. And he was going to be coming in talking about the dangers of technology and pornography and all that kind of stuff. His reason sticks with me. Chris, it's too late for them. You can't change their minds. 
I hated this response, but I'm afraid that he's at least partially correct. I've worked with teens in some capacity for over 20 years, most extensively as a full-time middle school youth pastor from 2009 to 2016. The window of influence is still somewhat open for middle school. It's only barely open for high school, and it takes a really special connection to fit through the very narrow slot, which is blocked by distrust, skepticism, pain, and life experience. By the teen years... They've already seen porn. For some, a lot of it. Some are truly addicted. I receive their cries for help. By the teen years, they've already consumed an average of 31,000 annual minutes of YouTube content. They've been asked to send a nude, and then the request was a pick, another word that rhymes with pick that I'm not going to say. They've already used social media for years. In fact, they're consuming around 30,000 minutes a year on TikTok. They've already been groomed to believe their miraculous, uniquely created bodies are inadequate. Who can compare to a millisecond of perfectly filtered, sexualized gorgeousness? Thanks, Instagram. They've already been introduced to a thousand mature ideas way ahead of schedule, and their brains are overwhelmed, anxious, and sometimes distorted because of it. I want tribes of elementary school parents to come together and collectively decide to delay. This is the real brilliance of the wait until eighth movement. Because when your kid is only one in seventh grade without an iPhone and Snapchat, it's a very lonely place. This is the number one pushback I receive from parents who try a delay. Elementary parents, rise up, commit now, band together, tag your tribe below, hashtag save the kids. So his whole thing is wait till eighth grade. And I don't, I'm not, not saying that's the right time, but I'm saying there's a lot of wisdom to consider within that of what, of what they're going to be exposed to and what would, giving them a cell phone and what that opens up, the possibility um, and the things that, that they'll probably be exposed to at some point. Um, but in middle school, they're just so much less equipped to deal with. Um, there are very few reasons why a, a middle schooler or an elementary age kid needs a smartphone. If they need a phone, if your situation is such that you have to be in contact with them or track them or whatever, I get it. That, that is a reality for some families. There are other ways of doing that. There are flip phones you can buy. There are services that are made for that, where they have five numbers to call, and that's all the people they can call, and you can track their location. Like, there are ways to do that. I don't know how many elementary or middle school kids need a smartphone, um, but they will be the weird one so often at, with their friends at school if they don't. And so we have to be okay with that because we're supposed to be weird, right? We are supposed to be different. It's okay to be different, and, and we have to work with our kids through that. They got to get used to that, um, that they're going to be different. They're going to do, not do things that, other, that their friends are going to do. Um, so there's a lot of wisdom there. I would say that's probably in the realm. Like, so in all honesty, Keegan, my oldest, he's had a, he's had a cell phone for a couple of years now. Um, it's one of my old phones. And so it doesn't actually have a cell phone plan. We've taken off Safari, so it doesn't even have a browser. We've like restricted the heck out of it. So basically it's a um, when he's home, he can text and, and call us and things like that when we're out. But it's way, way, way pared back. So it's not a, not a full, like, doesn't even exist like a smartphone. Um, and so um, 
that's, you know, because I get it. Like, we need to leave home, and if we need to leave home and I don't have a house phone, we got to do something. Um, but there's, there are ways of making that happen without just giving him a smartphone. Um, that's, that's just opening the door for so much stuff at a, at a young age. So I think, I, like I said, I think there's a lot of wisdom for that. Um, when they get a phone, or any device for that matter, there are some rules. As parents, we get open access. We get to know their passwords. They're, it's our phone. We pay for the phone. Pay for the device because then you can say this. Be like, no, 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 that's mine. I'm letting you use it. That means I get open access. So I know all your passwords. And if I see that you've changed your password and didn't tell me, you lose it. If I see, I, I check your browser history and it's gone, you lose it. So I'm going to assume you did that for a reason. Those have to be non-negotiable, like this is where I will put my foot down and be like, you have to stand up for your right to do this as a parent. Um, we got to wage war if it's necessary. They, our kids have to know that this is our right that we get, to, we get to do that. We can look at their phones whenever we want. And this is probably one of the most effective things you can do, even if you have apps and stuff installed on your phones. And that is at any point in time, I can be like, hey man, how's it going? Hey, let me see your phone. And whatever they didn't get a chance to erase or delete, I get to find out. And maybe it's nothing, but them knowing that I can do that at any moment has an effect and a good one. And so we have to, we have to tell them, like, we have the right to do this. I'm going to do it whenever I want. Um, they don't get to install or delete apps on their phone without our permission. And you can set this up so they cannot physically do that. If they try to install an app, it'll pop up on your phone. They're trying, they, they'd like permission for TikTok. Heck no, um, done, right? So, so that has to be, I, I, I would strongly urge you um, to have that set up. Um, again, ages are different. If they're 17, maybe that's different, maybe that's not. Um, but that's definitely something you need to, to talk through. Um, and with all of these kind of things, talk about them often and clearly with your kids. Let them know these are the rules and then remind them that these are the rules, that this, is, this thing that you have is a privilege, not a right. It actually belongs to me. I can look at it whenever I want. I have full access to it whenever I want and you can lose it. Um, that has to be reiterated. And you have to communicate that well, like communicate that with, with love and grace and compassion, but you gotta remind them of it often too and be very clear about that. All right, so those are some house rules to think of. That's, that's the first thing. Second thing, we got to get into their world. We have to jump in and understand that the world that they live in is way different than the ones we live in, right? We have sort of been adopted into this technological world. They are born into it. They are native born, and so it is different. And their, their culture is honestly very different than the culture you work in. Even if, you're, even if you work in a very secular um, environment, their world is drastically different. And so we have to jump in. So we need to know what's going on. We have to know what's popular. We got to know song lyrics to popular songs that we don't like because we got to know. There are songs that are extremely popular that are garbage. One of the most popular songs last year was by Cardi B. And 
It's called WAP. And that's all I'm going to, I don't even like saying that because I know what that means. I'm not going to put the lyrics on the screen. It's that bad. It is pornographic. And it's popular. And there's kids, Christian kids, listening to it because it's like the number one song and you know, double platinum or whatever, however that stuff works. El- elementary kids are listening to it. And if you're curious to, to what's going on or how bad could it be, because yeah, um, I'm not even going to tell you to Google it because I, I don't want it in my head. But if you want to know and if you think um, maybe, maybe my kids are, I, I would say wives, you should be the one to Google it. it it's that bad. It's pornographic. Um, yeah, and that's not the only one. I'm not picking this out going like, oh, this is that exception. Like, this is the really, this is very normal. Like, so much of the music they're listening to that's really popular, really popular, very mainstream, is horrible. Um, so we have to know that. We have to know what those lyrics are. Um, we have to know what shows and movies they're watching or that are targeted for them. We have to be aware of what's in them. We can't just assume that it's, oh, it's made for kids, so it's fine. We have to know what trends are popular, what's going on. Um, we have to know what apps are coming out. Man, it's, it changes, right? Facebook was the thing not that long ago. Teens don't want Facebook anymore because it's not cool anymore. Like, it changes really quickly, and so we have to Pay attention to what apps are current and what's the new thing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some tools of how you can do that um, in a little bit. But we have, to, we have to work to do that, to stay informed. We have to know the lingo, how they're talking, especially over text. We have to know some of the lingo. Because they can be having a conversation, plain as day, that we have no idea is actually happening because we don't know what it means. So I'm going to show you some lingo some acronyms and some things like that. A lot of them you might know, but I don't, I want to do my due diligence here and like let you know, here's, here's some of the stuff that's going on. Um, so POS does not mean what it used to mean. It used to mean, it used to mean a car that's like not good. Um, that's, that's the term that I was, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. It doesn't mean that anymore. It means parents over shoulder. So, if you see that, there's, there's been some conversation that they don't want you to see. Um, CD9, same thing, code nine, adult alert. There's an adult by, a teacher walked by, whatever. So shut up about what we, the thing we were just talking about. Um, Netflix and chill. <laughs> um, if you don't know what Netflix and chill, it's not watch Netflix together. It's put on Netflix and not watch it together. You with me? Like that's... That's what that means. It's put it on in the background and do other activities. Um, catfishing, probably know what that is. It's like you can pretend to be someone else on the internet. So I I'm, I'm, have a complete fake persona that I'm, I'm representing online. Um, catfishing. Smash. Basically means to engage in casual sex. Hookup culture, right? Like hook up, to me, to hook up, by the way, is not to just get together and make out. Um, it's casual sex, right? Smash, same thing. Um, thirsty. Somebody, somebody posted a thirsty pic, right? That's usually how you, that is not, I need a drink of water. That is, I'm posting a picture of myself trying to elicit um, erotic 
emotions and feelings and, and attention. Like that's, so like the, the, you know, whoever, you know, the latest model is like, uh, you know, with my shirt off or in a, in a pose or whatever is, it's a thirsty pick. So that's what that means. Um, G-N-O-C, get naked on camera. K-Y-S, kill yourself. So there's so many of these, and they keep changing because we pick up on it, so they develop new lingo. So we have to keep, like these are easy to find. Google it, kids, teen, tech lingo, like stuff like that. You can find it all over the place. This is not hard to discover, but we have to go and do that Um, because they will do things that seem very, like Netflix and chill seems very innocuous unless you actually know what they're talking about. And so a lot of these are are that way. They seem innocent but they're not. So they can be engaging or, or, or these things are being texted to your kid and you don't even know it and you don't know what it means unless you've done your research. So we have to get involved. We have to get into their world and know what, what the lingo is, what's popular, all of that kind of stuff. Um, we can never assume something is safe for them just because it's popular. Right, we talked about Cardi B, all that kind of stuff. There's TV shows that are popular. Doesn't mean they're good. Doesn't mean they're pornographic. It just means they're not going to be reinforcing the things that you want reinforced, right? And so, just because it's it's popular doesn't mean it's safe. Just because it's not labeled as explicit or adult doesn't mean it's okay. Doesn't mean it's not pornographic. And just because it's made for kids or has a parent filter doesn't don't assume that it's safe. There are plenty of things that are made for kids that I don't want my six-year-old or seven-year-old or eight-year-old learning or being reinforced. Not to say they're like, again, pornographic or horrible, but just like values that I don't want them developing as their norm, right? And so just because it's made for kids doesn't mean it's okay. And so we can't assume that. We have to know, we have to assume that there's risk. So um, I'm going to give you a couple examples. So there's a new show on Netflix. It's called The Circle. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. We're, Nicole and I were, were um, had a surfing Netflix the other day, and we we saw it. It was like you know at the top banner, the number one show on Netflix, and so and it was this reality show. And we're like, I'm just curious. I'm not going to like this because we don't do reality shows much anyway. But like, I just got to see what it what it's all about. So I'm going to read you. I'm going to put it on the screen, the the description of this reality show. So the series itself builds itself as a game based around social media with the concept that anyone can be anyone in the circle. Within the show, contestants are isolated with their own apartments and can only communicate to the other contestants via a social media app. uh, Contestants are thus able to present completely different identities to the others and hopefully win them over. Every so often, the group of contestants are asked to rate their fellow contestants with the top vote getters becoming the influencers of the circle, giving them the power to block one contestant from the circle, eliminating them from the game. Now, this is not porn, but what is that? Garbage, what is that reinforcing? Do anything you have to do, be anyone you have to be, pretend you like anything possible to get people to like you because that's where you get influence and power and popularity. I don't want my kids learning that. Like, we watched it for like 15 minutes. I'm like, I'm nauseous. I, can't, I just can't anymore. Like, it is absolute just, 
I just felt so gross. And, I, and it's one thing for me to see it and go like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? But for our kids to watch something like that and going like, oh, okay, so I could totally pretend to be somebody else. And it's really all about being popular. So whatever I have to do and whatever I have to say to be popular, like, I don't want my kids learning that. But that's not marked as like, you know, too mature or whatever. Like it's, there's some curse words in it. But other than that, you know, it can be like, oh, it's a reality show. How bad could it be? Like, these are things that our kids could easily stumble upon. And that's the show where I'm like, you know what? No, not, not a chance. Um, so we have, to, we, have to, we have to do our homework before we let them watch or see or do anything. We have to know what it's really about. We have to know where there could be risk. And really, it could be anywhere. If, you're a dev- if it's a device that connects to the internet, there can be risk. That's it. If, if, a, if a game has chat, there can be risk, right? Fortnite is a great example of this. Fortnite's a great game. It's a fun game. It's a kid's game. It's definitely marketed toward kids, and most of it's fine. But if you enable chat, that means they can talk to anyone, and anyone can talk to them. And that anyone doesn't have to be a 13-year-old boy like they say they are. And so, yeah, you can get them Fortnite, but you better put some protections on there so they can only chat with people that they know that you approve. Because if there's chat, there's risk. Just, just how it is. So our default answer, my default answer when my kids ask me, um, can, I, can I get this game or can I watch this? I'm going to be like, I don't know what it is, so no. Nope. Oh, but, but it's okay because it's, it's, it's rated T for teen, so it's not bad. I know. No. Because I don't know it. I don't know it. But my friend has it, and he goes to church. I know. No. And then I'll go and research it. And sometimes that answer might be yes, and sometimes that answer might be like, no, I don't care. I know it's rated T for teen. I don't care. No. You don't, you don't need it. It's not good for you. And I'm going to explain why, right? Because, it's, again, it's educate. But my default answer, if I don't know something, if I haven't seen the movie, if I haven't watched the show, if I haven't had a chance to do my homework on it, my answer is no. I'd rather my kid be weird and isolated from something until I know what it, what it is, and then I can make the decision. But we can't assume it's okay just because their friends like it, just because it's rated T for teen or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not letting media make that decision for me. That's my job. So we, we, we have to, I think, approach it that way. Common Sense Media is pretty good. I don't like the parent, like the, the, the rating they give things, but I like how they go into detail as far as like, here's this kind of content and that kind of content. I really like that. Um, un, uh, PluggedIn.com is another good one. Um, those are the two that I, I probably use most often for like specific shows or movies or things like that. Um, so we have to seek to understand the digital culture they're surrounded by. They are immersed in this world, right? They are, they are inundated with it, and so we have to jump in it with them and be a part of this world as much as possible and help them understand it. Um, we have to examine the norms that they are being presented with as being okay and good, um, and we have to empathize with them. Like this is, I don't think it's ever been harder to be a kid. I don't think it's ever been harder to be a teen because they're dealing with things that we couldn't have possibly predicted 
20, 30 years ago. Like the world has changed so drastically for them. So we have to empathize. We, we don't want to be combative. We want to go like, hey, I love you. I care about you. This is hard. I know it's hard not to have this when all your friends do. I know that stinks. We have to empathize with them. All right, so that's two. The third thing we have to do, we have to do this, guys. We have to start with ourselves. We have to look at our own lives. This is an area where the whole idea of do as I say, not as I do, is not going to work. If we're asking our kids to have restrictions on their phones, we gotta, we, we got to put ourselves in that. If we're going to tell our kids, you know, you should really, really pay attention to what you watch and filter some stuff out, we have to do the same thing. We have to. So we have to look at our own habits how am I spending my time? How much time am I on my screen? How many times am I checking my phone during dinner? And I get it. It could be work. I, I get it. There's justifications to be had, and some are more valid than others, but we have to examine our own habits and how much time we're spending, how disruptive it is. Um, we, have to, we have to pay attention to, to what we're doing, how we're spending our time, and our perspectives on it. Um, we have to look at how it's affecting our mental health. Um, I, I know, like, to come home at the end of the day and you're maxed out and you're stressed out and your brain is just tired of working, so I just want to scroll mindlessly for a little bit. I get that temptation, um, but that's actually doing <laughs> uh, more damage because it, that can be influencing us in negative ways and affecting our our mental health, all of the dangers, all of the dangers that we talked about last night, we are just as susceptible to as adults. It's no less of a risk for us. And so being on, on social media all the time and the, all the comparison trap and all of that kind of stuff, we, we can struggle with loneliness and isolation and depression and all of those things just like our teens can. When we're talking about us and what we're listening to and what we're watching and what we're we're feeding our own minds and what we're letting letting influence us, um, there are some very real things that that we need to talk about because there are some things that are very popular for adults that are seen as okay, just like that are seen, uh, you know, these things that are seen to be okay for kids that are absolutely not. And if we're not guarding our hearts and our minds, what hope do our kids have? Um, So... I'm going to give you a couple of examples of this. There's, there's um, a couple shows um, that have been really popular, and I'm going to read to you the parent reviews off of Common Sense Media um, about the content before I tell you what the show is, okay? Um, so this one, the sex and violence in this series often feels exploitative. Nudity, full frontal, full frontal male and female, is shoehorned into many scenes where it's not necessary, including women stripping, lengthy topless scenes, and even dead or unconscious characters posed sexually. That sounds horrible, right? When you put it on a church screen and, and, and we're talking about it in church, like when you, when you put it on paper like that, it sounds... Terrible. That's actually called Altered Carbon. It's a very, very popular Netflix, Netflix series. Um, the last couple of years, there's season two um, going on right now. Anthony Mackie is in it. So the guy that plays Falcon, right? Falcon and Winter Soldier. So he's a good guy. How bad could that show be? Yeah, go ahead. We can watch it because it can't be that bad. It's cool. It's sci-fi. Look at that description. I got another one for you. 
Sex scenes are frequent, frank, lengthy. Characters have sex standing up against the tree or on couches or beds with suggestive movements and noises. Male and female buttocks are visible, if often obscured by distance or drapery. Bodies are shown nude with many bare breasts seen, but genitals covered, so, you know, that's good. Both men and women are eager for sex, and time is spent on pleasure for both. Male and female bodies are displayed equally. Masturbation and oral sex are implied, suggestion of a threesome, expect to see both same-sex and male-female couples kissing, flirting. Any guesses? Yeah, it's Bridgerton. Um, that's like the number one show. Very popular. I'm going to go back to that because I want, like, that's, that's, that doesn't sound like a TV show, does it? It sounds like porn. And I'd say in a lot of ways it is because it does the exact same things to our minds, same type of images, dopamine, all of that kind of stuff going on. 82 million people are watching that show. Guys, we have to guard against that. If we have, I'm not accusing, I'm not saying anybody, I, don't, I have no idea who's watching it in this room or anybody, I, you know, but I'm just saying, I, I'm not gonna assume that nobody is, that nobody in our church is, I'm not gonna assume that because it's really, really popular. And what are we letting into our lives? What are we letting into our hearts and minds so I want to talk about some, some pornography use among adults, because um, we talked about it for teen use. Um, you would think as adults, we, we got better at it, because our hormones, hormones have <laughs> leveled out um, as we become adults. Um, so some stats for you real quick. Uh, pornography stats among adults. U.S. males viewing pornography at least monthly. So United States males in general. 18 to 30-year-olds, 88%. Ages 31 to 49, 67%. Ages 50 to 68, 50%. And among married men, 55%. Among women. 31% say they view pornography weekly. Another 30% report a few times a month. So 61% of Females in the United States are watching pornography at least a couple times a month. Remember when I said this is not a guy's problem? This is an all of us problem. This is what I'm talking about. All right, so what about Christians? Right? We gotta be doing better, right? Like we gotta be, we gotta be on the other side of this. So there's a Barna study um, in 2014 among Christian men. So you think we've gotten better? <laughs> since 2014 or worse. Thank you. Uh, so in 2014, this Barna study, 18 to 30-year-olds among Christian men, 77% monthly, 36% daily, and those that reported being concerned about addictions, 32%. Christian men in the United States. And among 31 to 49-year-olds, eh, we got a little bit better, at least monthly, 67%. And addiction concerns, if you can say only 18%, 18%. This is a problem. If we're engaging with this stuff, whether it's pornography, whether it's the TV shows, all that kind of stuff, 
And if we are seeing this as okay for us and think that our kids are gonna be protected from it, we are fooling ourselves. This is a problem that we need to make sure we are addressing in our own lives so that we can have a hope to help our kids. This is, this is the reality. So you and I, we as parents, as adults, as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we need to have good boundaries and healthy habits in our own life when it comes to what we're watching and what we're letting in, to how much time we're on, to how disruptive we're letting it be, all of that kind of stuff. We need to have healthy boundaries. We have to take a hard look at ourselves first. Because I guarantee you, when you put these things in place for your kids, they're going to make you anyway. If you're watching Bridgerton and you think your kids don't know, <laughs> nice try. And they know what it's about. They've probably heard about it, at least to some extent. And so they, if, if they're thinking, okay, you're a hypocrite then. If you're, if you're telling me I shouldn't do this, but it, it's apparently okay for you, then come on. So we have to look at ourselves first. We need to have good, healthy habits and boundaries if we want to help our kids. We, we need to move beyond the rationalizations. I get it. There are, there are valid rationalizations. I use my phone for work, so I unlock it a lot for work. And I'm not the only one. I know you guys do that same. So I know there are legitimate reasons, but we still have to take a look and go, am I using that as a reason to feel okay for how I use devices? Or are there times when it's just not going to be an emergency? Are there times where it's okay if I don't answer that text right now? Oh, but it's art. Uh, you, know, it's, you know, it's artistic. It's tastefully done. And the plot is so good. I just w watch it for the plot. <clears throat> yeah, where have I heard that before? Um, just read the articles. Yep. Um, same thing, right? Um, but, but we have to look at us first, right? We have to, and, and, and I'm, I'm gonna close with this and we're gonna talk about some stuff as a group, but I wanna close with this because I'm not, I'm not gonna assume that anybody in this room is doing anything they shouldn't. I'm not gonna assume that anyone is not either, right? Because we are all human. We are all susceptible to the same stuff. So we, 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 may need to do some digging in our own lives. We may, may need to, to make some changes in our own lives. We may need to have some conversations with our spouses. I get it. Um, that's delicate. That's difficult to do, um, especially if there's issues with pornography and stuff like that. There may, there, there may be some hard conversations that need to happen, and that needs to, be, to happen well. And so I'm going to say a couple things. One is go with, have a lot of grace, Right? Because we talked about our kids being so susceptible to this, and man, it would be surprising if they didn't fall into this. So I'm going to have compassion, and, I, and, I'm, and I, you, you fell into this disease, and I want to help you get healthy, right? And so the same thing is true for us. Like, the, the deck is stacked against us. And so if, if we get involved in stuff like this, um, we're, it's a disease, and, it's, and it's, that's how it affects our brain. And so we need to reach for compassion. And, and, and you wouldn't blame someone for getting cancer. Your heart would go out to them and you could say, how can I help you get better? And, and so I would, I would urge you to, to go in as much as possible with that kind of conversation, whether it's with, between spouses, with your kids, or whomever. Um, and if there are conversations and you're going, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to tackle this. I don't know how to bring this up. I don't know how to get help or do what I need to do or make the changes I need to make. I would love to talk with you 
Um, I, I would urge you to talk with somebody. If you're, if you're like, I need to tell my spouse some stuff, but I don't know how, I, I'm here to help you. Um, there's a way to do that. There's things to, to think through and, and a good way to do that and some not good ways to do that. And so I, I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not assuming anything. I'm just saying if you need advice or help or whatever, I'm here. I know Jay would love to help you. Like you have people in your life that would love to help you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. And more importantly, we hope that um, this is leading to some good conversation with your family. You know, these are these are important topics that need to be discussed. Um, and not every family is the same. Every family is different. And so what works for one may not work for another. And so uh, we hope this is a good kind of basis for you um, as parents to have some conversations around how, how, are, how is this going to work in our household? What are, what are the times that technology is off limits? When is it okay? How much is too much? Um, we, we hope you've, you've been given some tools to go and have those conversations um, about, about technology and your kids, but, but also for you as parents. What are we going to allow into our house? What are we going to allow into our own lives and our own minds? Um, that is a crucial conversation uh, that needs to be had if, if we're going to have success in this area as, as families, um, for us and for our kids. So we hope you enjoyed. Uh, we hope you'll join us for our, our, our final episode in this series. Um, so those, this will, that'll be session four, uh, where we, we basically go through and, and talk through all of the different resources that are out there. So the, the apps that you can download, the websites that you can go to, um, which ones do what, and how, how good are they at doing what they claim to do. Because um, there's some good ones, there's some stinkers too. And so we're going to dive through all of that uh, give you a few recommendations as well. Um, so we hope you'll join us for that uh, that podcast before we get back to kind of our regularly scheduled program where John and I um, continue to dive into to more conversations about, about parenting. So thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>